Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. It is my privilege this morning to bring the Word of God to you. I've been itching to share this message. God has just dropped something in my heart. All week long, I've been thinking on this one thing. You know, you meditate on things. We talked a little bit about meditation yesterday. And um, the, the, there's a little phrase, a little question I ask myself. And, and it is, what do you believe? Or what do I believe? Ask yourself that question. What do I truly believe? Have you ever asked yourself that? What do you believe? I mean, that's important. It's important Several things. First of all, who you believe, why you believe, and what are you believing for? We believe for a lot of things. And, 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 and I hear people all the time, this argument among folks that, you know, have this religious mindset, and we buy into this idea that if we can't figure it out, then we don't believe it, right? But I want to tell you something. We serve a supernatural God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly able to do more than anything we can ask or think. He's a God that is without comprehension. He's a God who, who, who we is, is, is beyond anything we can ever imagine and able to do more than we can ever imagine. We've got to see him that way. This is the God that we serve. So who do you believe? Do we believe God or do we believe the naysayers? There are actually theologians who have written miracles out of the Bible and say they don't exist. They've written the fruit of the Spirit, or not the fruit of the Spirit, but the gifts of the Spirit out of the Bible. They'll lean to the fruit, of course, but they've written the gifts of the Spirit out of the Bible. They're no longer needed today. All you need is get a bunch of people together and have a pastor that you can control and, you know, pay him. If he don't act right, you quit giving and starve him out and get another one. And that's kind of the way that it works in our in our. In, in church world today. That's not the way that God designed it. God designed us to come together to hear. Now the word ecclesia, everybody say ecclesia. Ecclesia means called out ones who were called together to hear. We come together to hear. The only reason we come together every week to hear, we come to hear. The, the, the early church, we see met in houses. They didn't have a building yet. They hadn't gotten to a building program yet. So they went around gathered, gathering each other's houses every day. They would come together. They would fellowship. They'd have food. They would break bread together. They'd have communion together. And they would sit and they would absorb the apostles' teachings. I guess they would take notes on it, kind of like a small group, a connect group. They would sit around and sometimes the apostles would come with them. And, they, you know, there was only 12. And I'm sure there were more than 12 home groups gathering in Jerusalem where they were, and they would come together, and they would have these gatherings, and, and as they did, it says they were all in one accord, they were all, you know, having great unity, and God was doing some amazing things, and, and the church was growing. Every day, it says their numbers were being added to as, as they had this, this, this commonality and this communion as they were doing these things, but they had something else. They had belief. It finally hit them. They finally understood who Messiah is, that it was Jesus. It was all about him. And who do we believe? We believe in Jesus. So ask yourself the question, do you believe? 
In Matthew chapter 9, I'm going to read this to you. This is too good to pass up on, so I'm going to read it. This is Matthew 8, 9, 18 through 30. This is the New American Standard Bible. I always carry a Bible with me up here just in case the Lord changes my direction. You ever wonder why? But I've got everything written down for you. So here we go. While he was saying these things to them, a synagogue official came and bowed down before him and said, my daughter has just died. Now, what did he, what did he believe? Right here. It's, it's right in front of you. What did he believe? Well, he knew that. But what did he believe about his daughter's death? He believed that if Jesus would come and lay his hand on her, she would get up. Jesus responds to what you believe. He responds to faith. Now, if he would have come to Jesus and said, Jesus, my daughter's died, if there's, if there's any possibility, and I think that maybe if you come to my house, you know, we can try it. I mean, I've got some other people come in. I've got a couple of witch doctors that come in, and I've got some other people coming. I'm trying everything to get my daughter healed. But no, he came to Jesus. He knew where the power was. He came to Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He saw Jesus as life. And he knew that if he could get life to follow him to his house, his dead daughter in the presence of life would live. What do you believe? So then he comes in and he says, if you'll just come to my house, lay your hand on her, she will live. So Jesus got up and began to follow him. And so did his disciples. Well, they're, they're going along, and all of a sudden, this woman sneaks up behind him, and it says, and a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, for she was saying to herself, what was she saying? If I can only touch his garment, I know I'll be healed. She didn't say, if I can just get close enough to touch him, there's a possibility I can get healed. She said, no, if I can get close enough, if I can just touch the wings on his prayer shawl, I know that I would be healed. There's a cross-reference in my Bible, and I looked at it. It's in, in Numbers 15:38, and it talks about that, that one of the, the, the garments of the priest, he said to Moses that the garments of the men in all of Israel, that they would have these on their garments and these, these, these a prayer shawl with tassels on it. And there were blue tassels, that, a cord that hung down was a reminder of them of the law. And they were to wear these when they were in public. And Jesus had one of these on. And this was her wings. And do you realize that it says in Malachi chapter 2, or chapter 3 verse 2, that the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in its wings. The son of righteousness. Now, and, and it says S-U-N. But when you look at the son in Revelation, when you look at what John describes as the new city in Jerusalem, what did he say? That there was no light there because Jesus is the light. There's no need for the sun. There's no need for the moon. Jesus is the light. He lights everything up. So the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And she knew that if I can just touch that prayer shawl, the hem of his garment, I know, I know that I will be made well. Well, that's what she believed. Jesus, I know that he knew she was coming up behind him because he's omniscient. <laughs> but he was man at the time with the spirit of God in him. But he did know one thing, that when this woman came up to him, 
with faith like that, as she touched him, something happened because he felt the power go out of him. Woo! She, she made a demand on Jesus. What she, what she basically did is she made a withdrawal. She made a withdrawal. She knew that Jesus had what she needed. If she could just get close enough, she could withdraw what she needed from him. And Jesus said, who touched me? And he turns around and he sees her. And I don't know what she must have been thinking at that moment because she knew something was happening too. And Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. It's your faith that's made you well. What you believed has made you well. Your faith. You see, she didn't come to Jesus and ask him to do anything, did she? No. She came and she exercised her faith. She reached out to him. She touched his garment and immediately she was made whole. And Jesus saw it. Well, all these good things are happening. So Jesus goes on on his way and he gets to the religious ruler's house in John. He identifies who this religious ruler was as Jairus. And his daughter was dead. And Jesus was telling his disciples, you know, don't, you know, she's dead. And they're like, well, yeah, she's dead. He said, no, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. (laughs) They're like, well, that's a good thing. If she's sleeping, that means she's getting better. He said, no, you don't understand. She's dead. (laughs) Huh? So when he gets to their house and Jesus goes in, well, there's all this commotion going on. All the religious folks have shown up and they're just like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, God, God knows all things, and, and he, he makes things work out for the good for you. And I'll be praying for you. I know how you feel. They were mourning and wailing, crying. The flutes were playing and all this stuff. All this commotion going on. And what does Jesus do? He comes up to the house, and they said, Don't bother. She's already dead. And Jesus said, Move out of the way. And he puts all the mourners, all the unbelievers, everybody else out of the house. And he takes his disciples in with him. What Jesus was doing at this moment, all this, during this whole thing, see, Jesus had been with his disciples. And he had come upon a tax collector's booth. And then this tax collector was a man by the name of Matthew. He wasn't very popular in Jerusalem. Nobody liked him. Especially the Jews, they hated his guts because he was a traitor to the Jews. He was a tax collector. He's kind of like the modern day IRS. You know, he was collecting, collecting taxes for the Romans, which is even worse. And so nobody liked Matthew, but Jesus comes up to Matthew, sees him in his booth. He says, Come on, Matthew, follow me. And Matthew gets up and he follows Jesus. They go to Jesus' house, uh, they go to Matthew's house for dinner, and when they get there, there all of these publicans and sinners, I guess the Democrats would say there were all these Republicans and sinners, I don't know, <laughs> but they were all these publicans and sinners, it says, gathered at his house, and, and they're eating together, and Jesus is eating with him. Well, the religious people got all upset because Jesus is eating with all these sinners, and they began to criticize him, and thinking in their mind, who does he think he is coming in here to eat with all these people? You know, he's got on the prayer shawl and everything else. He's breaking all kinds of laws. What is he doing? Jesus, knowing their thoughts, comes out and he says, Hey, you bozos need to understand something. 
it's not the well that need a doctor, but it's the sick, right? He said, you need to learn something. That God desires mercy and compassion more than judgment. What about us? What do you believe? Do you believe that people need mercy more than they need to be judged? Do you believe that? You know, when we see the people, the dregs, the society, and everything else is, as they are defined or whatever, we look at them, how do we see them? Do we see them as people? When you pull up to the, to the red light and you see the poor guy holding a little sign, he's got a scrap of cardboard or something. And, and I know the stories about people that hold up the signs and stuff, you know, and they get out there and they collect money and then they scoot away behind Walmart and get in a Mercedes and drive home. I know the stories. But there are legitimate cases of people who were just like you. I watched this movie the other night. I would recommend it. It's called um, something about you are different just like me or something like that. Anybody ever heard that? Same kind of different as me. You've seen it. It's a great movie. And, and it's about this homeless guy and this woman who her husband cheats on her and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and as he, after he's done it, he realizes what a mistake he's made. And he goes back and he truly loves his wife. He don't want her to leave him, want her to leave him and stuff. And, and this woman obviously is a Christian woman in the movie. And because she's going down to the homeless shelter, she's helping these people. And he comes and he asks her for forgiveness. And one of the conditions that she lays on him is... Why don't you come into my world? Why don't you come? Because he's this very, very wealthy art dealer and stuff. And so she takes him down to the homeless shelter. While they're in the homeless shelter, this guy comes in with a ball bat, starts wreaking havoc. This great, big, gigantic black man with a ball bat. And, and he's just angry on the inside. It doesn't faze her a bit. And it just blows him away that she still has compassion on this guy and loves him. And she loves all of the people there that she's serving. And, and this love inside of her, he, he realizes what a jewel he has in this woman. And how the love inside of her, the mercy and the compassion inside of her is, 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 is contagious. And it begins to spill over in him. And it changes him into a totally different man over time. And it changes this big violent man as she reaches out to him and she loves him. I mean, it's such a... I mean. I'm an old softy, and I, I can't help it. I, I teared up a bit. You have to forgive me, but my wife was in the other room, so it was okay. <laughs> but it was amazing. But that's what God desires, is mercy and compassion. You know, it's, it's one thing to say that we got it. It's another thing to show it, because if we truly believe it, then we'll do it. Amen? Amen? So Jesus is there with all these, these, these publicans and sinners, and he's getting cut apart by the religious rulers. Well, he, he spends some time with them. And then as he's leaving, there's some people outside, and there's a couple blind men out there. And they start following Jesus. Well, he goes from one house to another. And they follow him all the way, and they're crying out to him, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And it's probably getting aggravating, but Jesus, sometimes Jesus tests our faith. And they followed him. You know, they could have followed a couple of steps and got no response, and they could have quit. No, they didn't. 
They stayed on his tail. And they followed him into the next house he went into. It says they followed him to the house. And they get in the house. And Jesus <laughs> turns around to him and says, what do you guys want? He knew what they wanted. They said, we want to see. He said, do you believe I'm able to make you see? I said, yes, Lord, we believe. In other words, we wouldn't have followed you all the way if we didn't believe. We wouldn't have come after you. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have gone through the trouble if we didn't believe. And Jesus said, I love this statement. He says, according to your faith, so be it to you. According to your faith, so be it to you. What are you believing for? Where's your faith? What are you believing God for in your life? I know all of us have things that that we need from God. But where's our faith? Where's our faith? Do we trust Him explicitly enough to believe Him and to keep reaching out to Him and follow Him and cry out to Him until He responds like Jesus did? He's just waiting on us. Jesus is never too busy for us. As Jesus is traveling along from a very busy meeting, going to raise a dead woman from the, a dead girl from the, from the dead, and he's encountered by this woman who reaches out and makes a withdrawal from him. He could have just ignored it and went on because he knew what was going on. But he turned around. He took time out of his schedule. He took time out of his schedule for the woman at the well. Jesus took time out of his schedule for the blind men. He took time out of his schedule to go to the house of Jairus and, and raise his daughter from the dead. His schedule was very, very busy. As a matter of fact, I read about it in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, when Peter had gone to the house of Cornelius, and Cornelius was asking him why he would, had come, and how all of this was happening, what all of this meant. And he says, surely you've heard about Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. In other words, he was busy going about his father's business, doing what God wanted him to do. But I want to tell you something. He still is. His spirit is still doing what Jesus, and he's never too busy for us, and his spirit is here. He, he is, he's, he's reaching out to us, but he's wanting us to believe him. Let it be done to you according to your faith. Say this with me, will you? I believe. What do you believe? <laughs> I believe in puppy dogs and love. I believe in music. What do you believe? Do you believe God heals do you believe God saves? Do you believe God restores lives? Do you believe God loves you? Well, if you believe all of these things, then your life should just be just as, as beautiful as it can possibly be. As a matter of fact, Jesus said that the thief comes but for to kill, to steal, and destroy. So things that happen in your life, bad stuff that happens in your life, don't blame it on God and say God did it. He doesn't do that. The very next phrase says, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. When he talks about life, he's talking about zao. He's talking about the God kind of life, not this common kind of life that everybody else is walking around in. Listen, 
Somebody told about a person that had died. They were 62 when they died, and it was on their tombstone. Buried at 62, died at 28. They stopped living, gave up on life. I don't know what their life must have been like. Maybe they went into alcoholism or drug addiction or something. Maybe they became a recluse and gave up on life because they didn't have anything else to live for. We live in a world today where the suicide rate is just out the roof because people have lost hope. But I've got hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence. And if we have faith, what is faith? It is what I believe. It's what I believe. If you got faith, woman, your faith has made you well. Blind men, according to your faith, let it be done to you. Jairus, you believe? I believe. I come to you, Jesus, because I believe. That you can raise my daughter from the dead. I believe it. And if we believe, we'll grab a hold of what God has for us. And we won't let go of it. Y'all have heard my story. I'll repeat it just in case you haven't. Some of you are new and you've never known. But in 1999, I was diagnosed with liver disease. Stage 4 liver disease and hepatitis C, which was the cause of it. I didn't know I had it. I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to tell you the whole story because it would take too long. But I want to stand before you this morning and tell you that as of a couple years ago, I no longer have hepatitis C and my liver is recovering. Praise God. Praise You're looking at a healthy individual. My liver functions are absolutely perfect. There's nothing wrong with me. How did it happen? Well, doctors are used, yes. But when I, when I, when I was diagnosed with this, there was no cure They were only doing research. There was nothing they could do for hepatitis C. And stage 4 liver disease is the last leg of the journey, in case you don't know. Stage 4 liver disease means you've gone, your your liver is completely scarred up. And it's almost like a piece of of hard sponge that is incapable of absorbing blood and, and, and screening the blood and purifying the blood as it should. It becomes hard because it's so scarred. And mine was scarred seriously. It was about a level four and a half on a scale of five when I was diagnosed. But God healed me over time. I began to believe God, and they wanted me to go on medications in 2000. But I didn't. I chose to believe God because God spoke to me and said, if I would believe him, he would heal me. Listen, God sent his word, and he healed them, right? If we stand on the promises of God's word, we're healed. How we healed, his word. Now, who is the word? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh and healed us. <laughs> yeah, he, he became flesh and dwelt among us. He showed us the father, but he did more than that. He gave us, he taught us to have faith. Jesus was one walking strand of faith. That's what he was. Jesus had to operate in the realm of faith. Because he emptied himself of his divinity. He emptied himself of who he was. If you can read about it in Philippians chapter 2 if you don't believe me. He emptied himself. And he became a servant just like you and I. And the thing that he had going for him is the same thing we got going for us. 
It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Because he didn't begin his ministry until he was baptized in order to fulfill all righteousness. And then he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was, he was, the Holy Spirit came to indwell him. And immediately following that, what happened? He was led into the wilderness to be tempted. Because we can't have a high priest that don't understand us. But we have one who's been tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. He passed the test. How did he pass the test? Because he believed something. What did he believe? Every time he was tempted, he would point back to one thing that he believed. It is written. It is written. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, just reading is not hearing. Do you hear me? Just reading it doesn't say faith comes by, hear, by reading and reading by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. What do I mean by that? He that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Yeah. Open up your heart. Open up your mind. And let God speak to you. It's not just one thing. To, it's one thing to read it. It's another thing to hear it. Open your sensitivities. Open your mind. Listen to God. You got to have faith to read the Word. And here's the other thing. Now, I've said this before, and, and, and again, if you're new to the church, you probably don't know this, but every one of us in here that know what I'm talking about, they have the same experience. They get to hear God speak to them in an audible voice every day. Now, don't look being like I'm some kind of fruitcake. How do you do that? Well, here's what we do. We open up the pages, and we begin to read the Bible out loud. And as we're reading it out loud, that's God talking. That's God speaking to us in an audible voice. So I read, I read the word to myself out loud, and God's talking to me. And as he's talking, I listen. Now, my wife will tell you, I don't like any noise in the house when I'm reading the Bible. She can attest to that. I don't even like anybody messing with a coffee pot. If you do it, do it quietly. I mean, I'll muzzle the dog if he starts barking. You know, it's important. Because I want to hear. Be still and know that I am God. Amen. Quiet yourself. Hang out with God. Know who he is. Because we got to believe something. And what we believe will lead us into action. Because faith without works is dead. You say you have faith, you do well. well the, if you say you believe, you do well. But the devil believe and they tremble. What do they believe? Well, here's what the devils believe and they know it. That their time is short. And their destruction is imminent. That's why they tremble. But you and I don't have to tremble. Only tremble at the word of God in the awe of God in his presence. Now God wants us to tremble at his word in, in, in a different respect. The awesomeness of God. Back in the 80s, uh, Rich Mullins wrote a song, Our God is an Awesome God. I used to love that song. I used to love to sing it. It's incredible. Because he is an awesome God. I mean, that was a word that was tossed around. Everything was awesome back in the 80s. Remember that? You know, that's the most awesome soup I ever had in my life. Well, it's just Campbell's. I know it is awesome. Everything was awesome. But I think we lost really the concept of what awesome really is. I mean, is a, is a can of Campbell's soup really awesome? I don't think so. When I think of awesome, I think of something that is so grand, like standing 
on the edge of the Grand Canyon and viewing. That's awesome. Or being out in the ocean on a huge sailing vessel. And you look around you and you realize how big that ocean is and all of a sudden how small that vessel is. And when you look at yourself and you look at the stars and you think, my God, how awesome you are. And when we think of things in that way, it changes our perspective. What do you believe? That will determine the outcome, what we believe. When Jesus went to the house of Jairus, well, life walked into the bedroom of, of a dead girl. He took her by the hand. She got up. Jesus asked the question of the blind man, do you believe that I'm able to do this, to heal their blind eyes? They said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We want to argue with God sometimes. Yes, Lord, but don't ever put that butt on there. Just keep your butt to yourself. <laughs> Just yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Believe him. Have faith. Have faith. Mark 11, 23 and 24 says, Verse 22 says, have faith in God. In other words, have the God kind of faith. God kind of faith. How do we get the God kind of faith? Through relationship with God. Through relationship with Him is how we get the God kind of faith. You can't get it by reading. You can't get it by just sitting and meditating. You got to get it through a personal relationship with Him. When you're united with Him, and when you have the mind of Christ in you, it's Christ in you. Colossians 1.27, that is the hope of glory. Glory is the word doxa. You know, we, we sing the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. You know, we, we sing that song, the doxology, and the doxa is the Greek word for glory. And, and the only way that we can show the glory of God is by having Christ in us. And living the life that God has called us to. Do you believe that? We got to believe it. And Jesus said if we have faith in God and believe, there's something else we can do. Verse 23 says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted him. Now, I love to read the footnotes in my Bible. Anybody ever read the footnotes? How many have got the Passion Translation? Read the footnotes on that. Let me, let me read it for you. Just You go back and study it for yourself. But this is amazing. I never saw this before. But it says, mountains in the Bible can also refer to kingdoms. And the sea represents the nations. In other words, the sea of humanity. Faith lifts up and brings with us this mountain of God's kingdom realm when we can go into the nations. The Greek word for mountain, oros, is related to a verb that means to lift up and carry off and take with you. Oh, you mean take this mountain with me? The mountain of the kingdom of God. Take it with you and take it into the world. Take it into the world. The kingdom of God is not somewhere out there. Jesus said, some of you are looking around for the kingdom of God. You're looking here, you're looking there, when all the while it's where? 
The kingdom of God is in you. What is the kingdom of God? It is the rule of God. It is the authority of God established in us. Realizing who the boss is. Believing and knowing who he is and who we are. And because he's the boss, he said, I will put my spirit in you and you will be my witnesses. You'll carry this mountain with you wherever you go into the nations. Isn't that good? This truth that Jesus brings is more than hyperbole. It's the active power of faith to take and carry the power and authority of the mountain, God's kingdom realm, wherever we go. Jordan, you and I are going to carry the mountain with us. Mexico. Therefore, I say to you, all things you ask for when you pray, believe that you, everybody say have, you have received them. So what are you believing for? What are you believing for? Well, pastor, that's asinine to think that way. No, it's not. It's confessing God's word. The woman who had the issue of blood had a confession of faith. Her confession of faith was, if I can get close enough to touch the wings on his, on his tassels, I know I'll be healed. The man who came to Jesus said, I know that if you'll come and touch my daughter, she will live. The blind man said, Lord, if you, son of David, have mercy on us, we can see again. And he did. Jesus responds to faith. So what do you believe? What are you believing for? Now, today, God wants to break some things. I know yesterday we had an absolutely incredible, thank you, by the way, Karen and Ron, for the awesome seminar we had yesterday. It was incredible. If you, if you weren't here, I just want to tell you what you missed. I mean, I almost felt like I needed to get a, a, a certificate of doctorate or something, you know, after three. It was amazing. I mean, it was so good. It was so good. I mean, I, I could have stayed for another six hours. It was amazingly good. And, but, you know, that being said, some of us, some of us have health issues that we're waiting for God to heal someday. We're still waiting on God to do it, right? And, 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 and we believe that one day God's going to do it. Well, let me help you with something. He already did. When we look at 1 Peter 2.24, it's past tense, right? Now, going back in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53.5, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes you are healed. That's like now. It's like, okay. But as you fast forward and Peter looks back to Isaiah and he's prophesying about Jesus and he's telling about what Jesus has done. He says, he bore your sins on that cross that you being dead to sins. Sin is the cause of sickness. Sin is the cause of disease. Without sin, it would have never entered into the world. So you take care of the sin problem. God heals the diseases too. And by his stripes, you were healed. When I got a hold of that, that changed my life. Was I instantly healed? No. I was in my mind because I believed it. I believed it. I believed it. When people ask me, how you doing? I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. Some days I didn't feel healed. Some days I felt like I'd been run over by a truck. <laughs> 
And they realized they, they thought they missed me and came back and did it again. But I was healed. I will confess that. And I'll never forget, my doctor had asked me to go through a, a clinical test. They were testing a, a medicine. I think it was called viramidine or something like that. And it was, it was a, a medicine that they used along with interferon. Now, if any of, you, any of you have ever had to take interferon, you know how wicked that stuff is. And, and so he asked me, because my liver had actually, by the grace of God and by the healing power of the Holy Spirit, had, had, had regenerated from a stage four and a half down to a one and a half. And they were amazed. And he said, you're in good health. And while you're in good health, will you do something for me? And I said, what's that, doc? He said, I want you to go on a clinical study for me. I said, a clinical study? He said, well, what I'm asking you basically to do is be a guinea pig. I'm like, ugh. What do I have to do? He said, well, for 10 months, I'll put you on this medicine. You'll have to take a shot every week in the stomach, and you'll have to take pills three times a day. I'm like, sounds like fun. (laughs) He said, but you will be helping a lot of people if you'll do this. And chances are we can knock the virus out of your body, too, because the virus was the culprit was causing the problem. He says, chances are we can get rid of that, too. I said, well, it's a long shot, but, you know, I know what God's Word said. I'm trusting God's Word, but I'll help you with this, okay? So we went through it. Ten months of this, and it was horrible. Horrible. I can't even describe how horrible it was. Did I say it was horrible? It was bad. And you know what it was like. Some of you in here are shaking your head because you've been through it too. It was one of those things like, it was like a demon would jump on you every time you took that shot. and You would just jerk and quake and sometimes throw up and all kinds of stuff. But anyway, we did this for ten months. And after ten months, I was two weeks away from being done with it. Two weeks, and they call me one day, and I'm at home on a Friday, and I'd taken it that night. Why couldn't they call me on Wednesday before I took it on Thursday? Because I was feeling bad. And kind of like a blues song or something. I feel bad. (laughs) But I was just sitting in my chair, and and the phone rings, and I get the phone and answer, hello. This is so-and-so from Dr. Reindoller's office, I just called to tell you, uh, you might want to sit down. I said, okay, I'm sitting. Well, we, we got your test results back, and the medicines haven't helped you. They haven't done anything. So I just wanted to call you and let you know that your blood test came back, and, and you still have a high, very high viral load. And, and when that happened, it was like the devil screamed at me. See how your God has abandoned you? But then the Holy Spirit interrupted and said, shut up, devil. And I stood up. I literally stood up. And she said, now, I just want to call you and let you know, Dr. Vess. She said, if you want to, you can continue on with us. Why should I? (laughs) Thanks, but no thanks. You know, if it's not doing any good, I'm not going through that misery anymore. So I stopped, you know, two weeks shy of it. And then as, as, uh, as I'm standing there, a song came to my memory that I had sang many, many times years ago. I used to do a lot of singing with tracks and stuff like that. And one of them was a song by the Imperials called Praise the Lord. Anybody ever heard that song? And the words just came flooding back to my mind that when you're up against a struggle, boy, was I ever up against a struggle. 
and it shatters all your dreams and your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes. And you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fears. Anybody ever feel like that? Don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Just praise the Lord. For our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord. For he can work through those who praise him. You know, and, 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 and I started singing that song to the top of my lungs. Man, I'm just, I'm having a Holy Ghost meeting in my house all by myself. The dogs are howling and everything. We're all having, you know, a good time. And, and the next verse is even more powerful than the first verse. It says that Satan is a liar and he wants to make you think that you're a pauper when he knows himself. That you are children of the king. For lift up the mighty shield of faith, for the battle must be won. We know that Jesus Christ is risen, and the work's already done. So just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, for God can work through those who praise him. And that's what we've got to do. What do you believe? If you believe that God is able, you won't sit and whine and cry and say, poor me, and God, why did you do this to me? And Lord, I just know that all things are going to work together for your good, and I'm going to die, and it's going to help somebody else. Get over it. Do you believe God's word? Do you believe it? When it says in Exodus 16, that I am the God that healeth thee. I am Yahweh that heals your diseases. I am the one who heals you. Do you believe that Jesus died on our, in our place on the cross so that you and I could be healed and set free? Do you believe it? Do you believe that he's the God that supplies all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? Do you believe that? Do you believe that he said, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that you have need of will be added unto you. Why worry about those things? I got you covered, okay? Do you believe that? Then wipe the worry off your face. Lift up your heads. There's a verse of scripture in Proverbs chapter chapter 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run to it and are safe. Do you believe that? Do you believe you can hide in the shadow of the Almighty? There's a secret place for all of us in His presence. In His presence. Do you believe that? For some of you this morning, now tonight, we're going to be meeting here at 6.30 for prayer. And we don't mess around, okay? So if you're coming expecting, we come in, we worship, we pray, we worship. It's going to be awesome. It was incredible last week. I, couldn't, I can't wait for tonight. It was, if it's any better than it was last week, it's going to be something, something incredible. And I believe it is. Six o'clock. Six o'clock. Thank you very much. You'll miss the worship if you get here at 6.30. So be here at 6. It's going to be good, okay? But with that being said this morning, and we've already had an, an opportunity for people to come and be prayed for this morning. But I want to encourage you to do something, okay? Now, the Scripture plainly says, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders. Let them anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith shall heal them, okay? When we pray, we pray in faith. We don't just pray, okay? So if you want a healing, we pray for you. We believe you're healed. 
Now, it's your responsibility, like the, woman, like the, like the blind men, even as your faith, so be it unto you. You carry it from there. We will meet you halfway. We'll pray for you, but you've got to carry it from there. You can't go back on a diet of doubt and unbelief. You can't go on a steady diet of TV from a.m. to sunset and, 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 and Facebook and expect to get your miracle from God. You've got to go hard after Him. Seek the Lord. Seek Him. Ask. Keep on asking. Seek. Keep on seeking. Knock. Keep on knocking. It'll be given to you. Don't give up on your miracle. Believe God for it. You know, I'm a man that should have been dead by all standards probably 15, 20 years ago. But God has touched me. And the only thing that's differentiated me from those who died with the same disease is I made a choice to believe God and stand in faith and believe Him. Every now and then, the enemy will come along and he'll whisper something in my ear. Or he'll tell me something. I'll get a report. You don't know what I do with that report? Hezekiah in the Bible, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, got a report that there were a whole bunch of Assyrians out there that had joined up with a bunch of other wicked people that were going to come in and destroy the city and ramrod and run around, rush shot over it. And they'd already done it in several other cities. And they were mocking his God and everything else. And so the commander had delivered a letter and sent it to Hezekiah, outlining what they were going to do to him. You know what Hezekiah did when he saw it? He took the letter and he goes into the temple. And he was in a scroll and he unrolls it before God. <laughs> he lays it out there. And he begins to cry out to God and pray over that thing. You know what God did? God sent a prophet to tell him what was going to do, and he did it. God destroyed all of the Assyrians. As a matter of fact, they destroyed each other. That's what God can do. That's our God. So I want to tell you, if you've got a report from the doctor, take that report, spread it out before God. Cry out to God. Say, Lord, this is what they say. But I want to know what you got to say about it. And get in his word and let God speak to you. Because he sent his word and he healed you. That's what I had to do. What do you believe? Hey, it worked for me. Okay, and I know it'll work for you if you believe God. It can be instantaneous. My faith. I can lay hands on you. It can happen, but more likely it's going to happen because you believe God. Faith moves a hand in the heart of God. Amen? Amen. Well, would you stand to your feet this morning? For the last couple of weeks, we've closed our service by doing this, and I, and, and I like this. And if you're a germaphobe, you don't have to hold hands with anybody. You can just lock arms. I know there's a lot of stuff going around, and so you don't, I mean, you know. But what I'd like for you to do is get into small clusters. Because I'm going to give you opportunity this morning to exercise your faith with one another. What I want you to do is pray for one another. Okay? There's no need to be afraid. Nobody's going to do anything weird. Okay? No wacky prophecies and stuff. Just, just pray for one another. Okay? If you find somebody that's kind of hesitant, just reach over and grab and pull them in. 
let's pray for one another. I'm going to pray over you, but I want you to pray for one another right now, okay? And as soon as you're done praying, when, you, when all the work's done, you can be dismissed. Well, let's just go to God right now. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're the God who hears and answers our cries. We thank you, Father, you know every need that we have even before we ask, but you tell us, Lord, we have not because we don't ask. But Lord, I'm just asking you right now, Father, to meet every need that is represented within these circles. Their needs for healing. Their needs for, for healing of a broken heart. Lord, there are needs uh, that, that are financial needs and burdens that need to be lifted, Father. And, and Lord, only you can, can, can supply that need in so many situations, Father. It's, it seems hopeless. But we know, Father, as long as we got you, we're never without hope. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is that confident expectation. Lord, as we believe you, Father, that you are going to take care of us, Father. You're going to meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Father, I pray for every person within these circles, Lord. If there's, if there's anyone in those circles that doesn't know Jesus and you just have a heavy heart and you're burdened, I pray right now, Lord, that you would touch hearts. They would become born again and give their lives to Jesus and surrender to you completely. If there are those in these circles, Father, that have fears, Lord, we release those fears in the name of Jesus for you tell us, Father, that anything that we bind on earth is bound in heaven and we bind fear and unbelief. And Lord, you say anything we loose on earth is loosed in heaven also. So we loose in the place of fear, we loose joy and freedom. In the name of Jesus, you came to give us life and that more abundantly. So we grab hold of that abundant life. We lay hold on it, Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father God, for health. Thank you for healing for all of those who need healing in their bodies. We release healing. We release a healing anointing right now in Jesus' name. And Father, if we're lifting up a loved one, Father, who needs healing in their body, maybe they couldn't even be here today. Lord, we release faith in every believer here to go and to lay hands on their loved one and pray for them if they can possibly get to them. If not, Father, we release through the Word because you sent your Word and you healed them. And death and life are in the power of the tongue, and we speak life over those that are sick in their bodies. We release it in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, for relationships that have been broken because of, because of offense, we come against that spirit of offense. We take authority over it in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray, Father, for everyone who is struggling with that issue of offense in their life. Maybe someone has hurt them or they've hurt someone. I pray, Lord God, for courage and ability to forgive and release that hurt right now in Jesus' name. And be healed of it. And Father, if they've hurt someone, give courage to go to that person and make it right with them, Lord. And release that, that, that burden of, of, of separation. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. For husbands and wives that might be having issues in their own relationships, Father, I pray healing over homes right now. For sons and daughters that might be walking in rebellion, Lord, I pray over them in the name of Jesus that you would touch their hearts, that the prodigals would come home, Lord, and surrender their lives to you, the giver of life. I pray in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father.
We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. And Lord, we bind together and we pray for our nation, Lord. We pray for our president. We pray for our leaders in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray over them, Father, that we can live quiet and peaceably upon the earth. Lord, we, we thank you, Father, that you are the one who exalts and who puts down, and you're the one who holds the heart of kings in your hand, and you turn them like a water course wherever you will. So we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father, for your abiding presence that's with us, that goes with us when we leave this place. And Lord, we all say together, I speak to this mountain, the kingdom of God. And Lord, we pick it up and we carry it with us into the nations as we go forth in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.